Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But uh, thank you for letting me be here. Uh, I'm, old fellow said, I'm excited, delighted, and affrighted. Um, I told some of them this morning, somebody asked me, do you get nervous when you speak? I said, yes, just sometimes more than others. And I don't know why, but uh, I'm I'm like a cat in the, the rocking chair deal. I don't know what's going on. A part of it is, I think, because when Jonathan called me about 10 days ago, I said, yeah, I'd love to. And then I, I was halfway done with the message in the next two days, and somehow or another, God just wouldn't let me alone. And so uh, what I thought I was going to be doing is not what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be doing what God said to do. So uh, maybe that's why I'm so nervous, because I'm less comfortable with this than I was the other way. So anyhow, but... Um, I'm going to be in Psalm 119 for a little bit. Now, whether you realize it or not, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It has 176 verses. So I've tried to do the math, and I figure if I start reading now, (laughs) and it takes me about one minute to do every three verses we can be out of here in a little over an hour. So uh, that's if I don't say nothing, I just read it straight. But much to your surprise and mine too probably, I ain't going to read all of it. But uh, we're going to start uh, in verse 9 and go through 16, and then we'll pick up 28 uh, through 30. If uh, Y'all will stand with me if you're able and want to, and if not, that's all right too, but just in honor and reverence of God's Word and um, let me read a few verses and then we'll pray and we'll get on with the message. Psalm 119, 9 through 16. And I'm trying to get used to a new pair of glasses. So if you see me doing this right here, I can't get my bif- bifocals like a straight. Anyhow, not, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that I come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. If you will, go with me to 20, verse 28. said, My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through your law. And verse 30 is where I want to camp out for a little while before we get to Ephesians, which is really my text for this morning. Verse 30 says, I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. Y'all pray with me. Father, I thank you for uh, your word. I thank you that it represents truth. God, I pray that what we, we, we say this morning will not be misleading. God, you know how uh, you've allowed me to labor over 
uh, what to say and speak on this morning. And I pray, Lord, that uh, any God just let the Holy Spirit that they don't hear me, but they hear you, and um, keep me from messing up and leading anybody astray. But Lord, when the when the day's done and we get out of here, that Lord we will truly be willing to examine ourselves according to what your word says as the true spoken written word of God and apply it to our hearts and lives for daily living. In Jesus' name I pray. Uh, amen. Y'all see me switching around. I heard a joke one time. It said this evangelist went to a house and he reached in his pocket. He pulled out a piece of candy, put it in his mouth. And he had this thing figured out that it took that piece of candy about 45 minutes to melt. And that's how long he was going to be speaking. So when the candy got gone, he knew it was, he, he needed to be wrapping up. The only, thing, the only problem was when he reached in his pocket, you know, some coats have them extra buttons. He had that extra button in his mouth, and he preached for two and three hours before finally says they finally left. Well, it is a real piece of peppermint, just to let y'all, let y'all know. You can be at ease. It is a piece of peppermint. Now, it might get gone or whatever, but uh, it, there's not a button there. But A.W. Tozer, who was a, a pastor and, a, and an author, he died, I think, back in the 60s. He said this. There's a whole new generation of Christians that has come up believing that it is possible to accept Christ without forsaking the world. Now, he died in the 60s, and he was already seeing this start be prevalent in the churches. I guarantee you it ain't got no better. A whole new generation of Christians has come up believing that it is possible to accept Christ without forsaking the world. Now, the Bible teaches... That you cannot serve two masters. Basically what it says is, one's going to go lacking. I, for one, am not a multitasker. I can't do it. Give me, give me one, one thing to do. My wife ain't here. This might be good. Is this thing being taped? Well, she won't look at it no way. So anyhow, uh, give me one thing to do. And since we've been retired, it's normal for us to get up in the morning and I've started drinking coffee just so I can have something to do with her in the morning. But, um, you know, spend time with your wife, that kind of thing, before you get out and do your own thing. But anyway, um, where was I going with that? <laughs> I knew I should have stuck to my notes. Give me one task to do and let me get through with that before you start throwing some other mess on me. Her on the other thing, on the half. And I won't group her with all women because i got to get out of here today. But, but with her, what are you going to plan on doing today? I don't know. I might go out in the shed and you know, start on one of Brandy's projects that she's got me wanting to do and that kind of stuff. Okay, so we'll go out there and do that. Five minutes into the thing, I really think what we need to do when you get through with this is this and this and this and this and this. I'm like, hey, you, I can't do it. Let's just do one thing and get, get it done and that kind of stuff. Because she's in the house and she's, there's all kind of things going on. I, that, that ain't me. 
Part of the problem with that is, I said all that to say is, when the Bible says you can't serve two masters, y'all know good as I do. I don't care what it is. One thing is going to get done better than the other because one thing is going to require more of your attention than the other thing does. And nine times out of ten, if not like it's on the Lysol can, 99.9% of the time, the thing you enjoy more is what's going to spend or take up most of your time. The Bible says that we're either children of God or we are children of the devil. It's plain and simple. It says that we either look more like Christ because of the sanctification process. Talking to the believer now. The cleaning up process in our lives. The fancy church word we give it is the sanctification process in our lives when we accept Christ. We're being cleaned up. Being taken on the mind of Christ, looking more like Jesus. We'll either look more like Jesus when we're saved or either we'll start look like the world we either take on the mind of Christ or we make up our own mind that I've got a better idea and we will do it our own way and one way or the other one way is going to end up spending taking up more of our time there must be a difference in the lifestyle of the believer and the unbeliever I think what A.W. Tozer said about our churches is so real and prevalent in today's society. Um, as Christ followers, let me ask you this question. Have we allowed, speaking to the believer, the born-again Christian that has said no to self and yes to Christ, do we really allow the truth of this word to make a difference in our lives? Do we really believe that it can do what it says it can do? Or is it the stories just for, in the Old Testament, just for back then? They don't really apply to us today. Do we treat this as the word of God, the truth? You do realize that we have God has actually spoke to people spoke to Adam, he spoke to Moses, and they heard God's voice. Then you had the prophets through the Old Testament. that would, uh, they, the God would speak to the prophets, and the prophets would deliver the message to the people that what, whatever God wanted them to hear, they spoke it. That was the spoken word of God. And then we get to the New Testament, and Jesus comes, and Jesus is speaking, and that is the spoken word, and all of it is truth. And now the Holy Spirit comes when Jesus leaves, and we have the canon we know as our Bible with the 66 books, and this is the written word. That's the only difference in it. There's God's spoken word and then there's God's written word, but all of it is truth. Do we really believe? Do we, will we let the, will we shine? Will we apply the truth of this word to our lives in such a way that the world knows we're different? Do you believe the Bible has that much power? And that's kind of what I want to speak on. Verse, chapter 119, verse 30 said that I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I have chosen the way of truth. It's a choice that we make to follow Christ or follow ourselves. Nobody twists the arm. It is something that we are allowed to do. 
Do you believe that the Bible has life-changing truth? Or is it just another self-help book? We must take it for what it says. In Ephesians 4, and that's where I'll be camped out. You're going to turn there with me. Ephesians 4, starting with verse 17. I'm going to read 17, 18, and 19. Now, this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing to the believers at Ephesus. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. He must be serious. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. What he's doing here is this. I insist, verse 17 says, on it, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. He's describing the, when it says Gentiles, he's describing to the unbeliever, the lost man. What he's telling them is, look, lost people act like lost people. It's in their DNA. They can't help it. He said, but you must no longer live like that. We used to live that way, but no longer can you continue to live that way. Why? Because you are a believer in Christ. Their thinking is all messed up. It makes this, it's selling this, the self-indulgent, lifestyle that they live must not be present in the life of the believer the Holy Spirit has made a change he stopped that they have an ungodly worldview. you either have a biblical worldview or you think like the world there, it, 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 it's one or two they have no desire for the things of God therefore their hearts have been hardened they're blinded to the truth he says, you used to live that way. You cannot continue to be living that way since you are saved. But apparently there's some folks in the church that took on the A.W. Tozer's mindset that, hey, I, I can come to church, I can walk an aisle, I can even get wet and be baptized. And I can go on about my life. I've got my heaven ticket punched and everything's okay. And nobody be the wiser. Paul, right into the church at Ephesus, says, it can't be. You can't live that way. The biblical worldview says, thus saith the Lord. A world worldview says, well, anything goes. If it feels good, do it. I'm going to abide by my own truth. Biblical worldview realizes that Jesus is my provider. Everything I have from the very breath I breathe to the house I live in, the car I drive, the job I got, the money I make is a gift from God. That's the biblical worldview. But now, a worldly worldview, for some reason or other, I can never get enough. The old saying goes, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. That's what the world thinks. Jesus is my provider. Jesus is my savior, is the biblical worldview. 
The worldly worldview says I can do it all by myself. Medea had a movie way back yonder sometime or another that said, I can do bad all by myself. You know, that's true. We didn't have to be taught to misbehave. We didn't have to be taught to be sinners. The Bible teaches that we were born into sin. When Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, it ruined it for everybody. Everybody is lost. You either have a biblical worldview or a worldly worldview. And Paul is saying for the life of the believer, there must be a difference. We cannot go on thinking, foolish thinking, being separated from God, and continue in a life of sin if you are saved. There must be a distinct difference. Said there, like I said, lost people act like lost people. Saved people aren't supposed to act like lost people. Verse 20 says that you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Apparently the teaching had been that you can be saved and join the church at Ephesus and stuff. But yet, it's not going to be real hard because you don't have to really change anything you're doing. Just keep going on and everything will be fine. Nobody will be the wiser. Paul is telling them, that's not the way you were taught. We did not teach you that it would be a bed of roses. We did not teach you that all could be the same and nobody be the difference. All you have to do is just walk an aisle, confess Christ, and then be saved and be baptized and going about your way. He said, we did not teach You did not. You were taught in him accordance with the truth. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Did you realize there's nothing in us, in our natural state, in our natural sinful nature that wants a relationship with Christ? There's nothing about sinful man that says, I'd like to know Jesus a little better. I'd like to understand about, about the universe and how God did all this stuff. There, there's nothing in us that desires that. Nothing. Apart from the Holy Spirit pricking your heart and coming and uh, sending you in the right direction and causing you to realize who you are as, as a sinful man and, and to desire Christ, our sin nature will not do that for you. It will not. Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, you didn't learn that way. Nothing about your sin nature wanted you to desire Jesus. There's nothing good us. Nothing in our natural sinful nature will draw us to Jesus. And then he says this, you cannot continue to act like the world and believe God says it's okay. And apparently a lot of churches, a lot of church members, I ain't pointing finger at y'all, but anybody, who thinks that they can be saved, have one foot in the, what does it say, one foot, let's say one foot anchored in the cross and the other foot anchored in the world and think Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. It ain't going to happen. It must not be that way. It's what Paul is saying here. We have exchanged the truth of God's word for a lie and there's a whole generation of church attenders who doesn't see the need for the life-changing gospel to make a difference in their behavior. And that's probably what one of the greatest tools that Satan uses to destroy our churches. Mind you, churches are full of hypocrites. 
I head up that list. But thanks be to God, I don't have to live that way. I can be labeled that way. But because of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us as believers, we actually have a chance to take on the mind of Christ and look more like Jesus to the world. But when we refuse to take that and start looking different, we're living a lie saying, I am my own man. I can do it all by myself. Remember what, what, what Satan told Eve? He said, you can eat the fruit, blah, blah, blah. Make a long story short. Eve basically says, well, we, 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 can't, we can't touch that fruit. And the devil basically says this. You will not surely die if you eat the fruit. God don't want you to eat it because then you'll become like him. And we, I'm afraid, have bought into that lie that we can become our own God. Doing our own thing, making up our own minds, finding ourselves living in our own sinful state, bound for a devil's hell. And guess who is not upset about it? Satan himself. Satan loves to get in the church and mingle and gum and mess with people and mess with their heads and say, you can change later. You don't have to do all that. Think about how hard that's going to be. You've got other things to do. And Satan will, bind, will, will, will get us into a state of mind where we realize it is okay. Look at everybody else. If he's saved and he acts like that way, well, what makes you think I can't be saved and act that way? We have bought into the lie that the gospel does not need to change my life. I'll get my ticket to heaven punch and everything, and everything will be okay. Look at verse 21. Surely you heard of him, talking about Jesus, and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Christ. We come to know Jesus Christ because of the truth we found in his word. Every one of us that had a salvation experience didn't wake up one morning and decide, okay, I've lived my life, I've sowed my oats or whatever you want to call it, and uh, it's time to settle down. I think I'm going to come to Jesus and get saved. That ain't, that ain't what happened. If it is, you're taking credit for something that you ought not be taking credit for. Whether you heard it, heard it in a song, in a, in a preacher, in a teacher, in a classroom, wherever it was, the Holy Spirit of God handpicked you. That Spirit of God softened your heart and made you realize that, hey, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And it was your birthday and you come to know Christ. That's what happened when you got saved. And then there should have been life change that took place. The Bible says that we cannot... He basically says a saved life is a changed life. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. John 14, 6 says, I am the way. This is Jesus talking about himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Gospel of John starts off. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, and it says some other things. But then it says this, Who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
There must come a time in everyone's life. Listen to me. I don't usually come up with original stuff, but uh, I'm going to read this to you so I don't mess it up. I actually come up with this by myself, too. I was proud of me. There must come a time in everyone's life when we accept, not acknowledge. There's a difference in acknowledging something and accepting something. I can acknowledge the guy pumping gas next to me at the grocery store, but I ain't got a clue who he is. There must come a time in everyone's life when he accepts the truth about Jesus. Who you are is determined when you decide who Jesus is. Does that make sense? Who you are is determined when you decide who Jesus is. There must come a time in every person's life when they accept the truth about who Jesus is. And then you must accept the truth about who you are. Jesus is the word of truth. He is the only way to eternal life. From the beginning of time, after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we have a holy God who desires fellowship with unholy people. And he made that possible through the cross. His name is Jesus. That is the only way that that gap can be bridged. And Christ did that for us. How do we know that? Because I believe this book, from Genesis to the Maps, as one of my former pastors used to say. This word is truth. It will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will work out the truth inside of you as you read it. This book comes to life. Jesus represents the word, the written word we have in here. It is the only way to eternal life. Man, truth about ourselves is we're sinful. There is no good in us. We are selfish. And I'm speaking to me. I have a life full of lies. And apart from Christ, I'm dead. The Bible says I'm dead in my trespasses and sins. There is no hope apart from Christ. What is Christ? He is the truth we find in this book. Life-changing truth in the Word of God. Verse 22 says this. It says, you weren't taught like that to behave that way. 22 picks up in that light. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. We all have a past, okay? So we need to stop lying to ourselves and telling people, well, you just don't understand. You don't know where I've been. You, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how I was raised. You don't know the environment I had. You don't know the stuff I had to put up with. Da, 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 da. Every one of us in this room has a past, okay? All of us have a past. Whether, you, whether your testimony would include gasp from the crowd or whether your testimony would be similar to mine, I was raised in church and accepted Jesus as a little boy and then come to realize that I had no relationship and it wasn't until 2004 as a grown man I realized I'm bound for hell because I don't know Christ personally. Every one of us has a past. So let's just get over that. Let's forget that. That shouldn't be a hindrance. 
What, what the problem is, in our B.C. days, before Christ, for some reason or another, after we get saved, if you will, we continue to allow Satan to remind us of our past. Sometimes to convict us and bring us to shame, but other times to help us. You know, it weren't, it weren't so bad back in Egypt. We had it made. Sure, it was tough making straw and bricks and stuff, but they fed us. They beat us sometimes, but we lived in our own home. We had it made. Life was good. It wasn't near as hard as it is out here in the wilderness. If we continue to dwell on our past, if we continue to live in our past, Satan will allow us to bring those things up that we think weren't so bad and will continue to do, do that kind of stuff, and that becomes more appealing than the hard life of following Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ never promised none of us it'd be a bed of roses, did it? Or when you got saved, did he, did he promise you that? He didn't me. I didn't understand what take up your cross and follow me was all about, but as I've gotten older and mature in Christ, I realize what that is. No wonder the Bible says that the road is going to be narrow to enter that gate. If, if being a believer... A Christ follower was popular, everybody be doing it. That's why apparently there's going to be plenty of room in heaven for those of us that, as Paul says, endure to the end. Part of that endurance will be, do you look more like Christ or do you look more like the world? That's the bottom line. It will corrupt our life. Nothing positive or productive will become if we continue to dwell on our past. The second part of that verse says this. But to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. Put off the old self. I have a habit of occasionally deciding that I'm tired of walking around stuff and everything in the shed. So I'll get the pickup truck. I'll even hook to the trailer. I'm done. I'm carrying it to the, I'm carrying it to the recycling place, and I'm going to dump it, and it's going to be gone. So I hook all that up, and I get to the shed, and I get to moving this, moving that. Pretty soon I got a whole pile of stuff over here, but it ain't made it to the truck or it may, ain't made it to the trailer. What I end up doing is I get a handful of nails. That's the advantage of having wood-structured sheds, by the way. You get a handful of nails, and you go to putting this up. I'll hang that over here. I'll hang this over here. I'll hang this over here. I'll find an old file cabinet, and I'll shove it in that file cabinet stuff. When I get ready to go to the dump, I, I could put it in the cab of the truck. I had good intentions of getting rid of that stuff, but I just keep hoarding it. You never know. You might need it. It might need it for a rainy day. When we were at Harvest, uh, building that church and stuff in there, the preacher used to come and tell if we'd be working out there and everything. They'd be talking about going to the hardware store. We only live less than a mile from the church. He'd say, hang on a minute. Let me see. He'd call me at work. Hey. Have you got so-and-so and such-such in your shed we used to have out here and everything? Nine times out of ten, I could tell him right where it was. <laughs> I'd, I'd carry it home. Screws, bolts, nuts, that kind of stuff. 
I said all that to say this. When it says to put off the old self, that is not what it's talking about. Colossians 3 refers to the same thing. Paul, just talking to a different church, says put to death. Rid yourself of everything that belongs to your earthly nature. And then it gives a list. For sake of time, I won't. Is that clock right? Is it 11.35? Well, i got plenty of time. I still won't do the list, though. I ain't going to freak y'all out. Just messing with you. Just seeing if you're awake. But then it lists everything. From, 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 from lies to uh, sexual immorality and everything in between. Bottom line is this. It says to put to death anything that God would disapprove of in your life. Quit, quit, quit squirreling it in a way in some compartmentalized place in your heart, but to get rid of it. Well, there they are. Thank you. Get rid of it. Do away with it. It says in verse 23, you were taught... To leave behind the old sinful nature. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. You're supposed to take that old nature and treat it as if it were dead. Dead. Nobody wants to be around dead. I, I don't know how, I don't know how the, uh, the, the road people are around here. But they are slow at home. About cleaning up dead deer side of the road. My wife has finally realized what that symbol on her car and my truck with a little old thing that does like that with the air, that means you don't draw in outside air. She don't, might not know where a lot of buttons is, but she's figured out what that button is. You notice when she gets to that place where that deer's dead on the road, you hit that button and it don't let that old stank come in the, in the, in the cab. Dead. It says get rid of it. There's no, is, is no, is, there's no useful use for it. So take your old self and get rid of it. It says, to put off the old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. Put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 23, 24 says. You're to put on the old, take off the old self, put on the new self, which looks more like Jesus than the world. What that means is this. I brought that coat. Y'all might have seen it up here. What the Bible is telling me is, and if, if I weren't wired up and knew I wouldn't snatch the wire all over the place, I'd take this coat off. To get this coat on, I've got to take this coat off. Does that make sense? Our problem, though, as church folks is we want to keep this on. This is, this is the old self. I'm comfortable with it. There's parts of my lifestyle I have become really comfortable with. And it would be a chore to get rid of it. So I think I'll just leave it on. But I will take this new style and I'll try to cover up. I hope this ain't one of Jonathan's real, real, real good coats. But I've tried at home. I cannot get it on. I've tried. I've stood on my head. The dogs have barked. All that kind of stuff, but I cannot get my arm up over that thing as long as I keep this coat on. Now, without this coat, I can put this coat on easy as I can, this coat. This is you and me right here. We try to cover up. We try to cover up the old self. Maybe there's, 
Maybe I can cover up a little bit of it. I might can't cover up all of it, but hey, there's more new showing than there is old. Maybe that'll be all right. And God says it'll be okay, but God says put it to death to get rid of it. It says destroy it. I don't know how the landfill people do stuff around here, but around home, unless you, you're recycling the stuff, but your regular trash that you put in the dump, household trash, we have to carry it to the dump. We carry it to the dump, and then there'll be a truck that comes and takes that whole container thing. It goes to the landfill in Conway. That landfill has two or three bulldozers and these great big old excavators, and all they do is keep piling on top of that stuff. They'll bring more dirt in. They'll keep piling. They'll keep piling. They'll keep piling. You know what happens to that stuff? It rots and dies. We must come to a place when we're honest, about our, honest with ourselves and say, is my old flesh dead? Is it dead? You know, my, my face is pitted. My dermatologist has got, I've got this cream that I've started the process of going on and apparently it's supposed to find the little uh, facial cancers and stuff. Makes me look like I got leprosy, but it, it's all right. But, but what that does is it will eventually burn the tar out of your face. But when it gets through taking off that layer of skin, it's like, it's like baby skin. It's amazing. The process stinks. Okay, I'm mean, not stink smelling, but I mean it. It just—it's awful. I got itchy cream, all that kind of stuff. But what's left is new. It has taken off the old, and nothing left but new. New cells to regenerate, and that's, that's some of y'all figured that out. I don't know how that works, but uh, but it, but it's new and, and and refreshed, and that's what he's talking about here. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation." The old is gone, put to death. The new has come. Jesus is on the scene. He's going to make a difference in your life. Do we dwell on worldly lust or do we really have the mind of Christ that the Bible tells us about? It said Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. He, the spirit, referring to he, Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Romans 8.8 8 says those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You want to be a father pleaser? Start listening to the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart. That enables us to take on the mind of Christ. To know the right things to do when it comes to my lifestyle and my behavior. There should be a visible difference that's, that, 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 that's evident. Holy Spirit will reveal truth if you'll get in this book. Part of us, part of the reason we live like we do and we behave like we do and because we don't know much about this book. We just don't spend a whole lot of time in it. If we do spend time in it, 
we don't read it for what the truth into it. It's basically we, we enjoy the historical narrative and everything, reading about how the Jews and they come up and then the Old New Testament, how the, 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 the church is born and all that. We just find that exciting and rejuvenating in our minds as far as the historical context. This is truth, folks. This thing can change your life. Change your life. When I went to Israel, our guide, the guy I went with, had been several times. He said that that, that was the best guide we had as far because he knew the historical context of this book. And later on, day, several days into it, we realized he was a Jew, but he was not saved. He didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. But he had read this book all his life, and it backwards and forwards, could quote you scripture at every site we went to. But he was lost. And if he dies apart from Christ, he'll spend eternity in hell. Knowing more about this book than most believers and preachers and teachers ever will. But he never allowed the Holy Spirit to take the truth that this book contains and penetrate his heart and change his mind and transform his life into, an, into a Christ follower. A saved life is a changed James 1, 22, I'll finish with this, says, Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. And thinking that, what's that, what's that word, osmosis? If I just hang around it long enough, it'll, maybe it'll, it'll change me. Is that, is that a right word? Don't ask me to spell it, but anyhow. Unless you take this word, read it for the truth it is, act upon the truth. When God exposes sin, realize this, God's not out to get you. Jesus loves you. God loves you. He's on our side. The biggest cheerleader we have in heaven is God, the Spirit, and the Holy, and Jesus. They want us to come to Christ. Holy God desires relationship and fellowship with unholy people. And how he did that was he sent Jesus Christ to live a perfect life because we couldn't because that was required to appease his wrath. He lived that perfect life. The Jews and the church crowd crucified and killed him for it. On the third day he was raised and then he rose again to heaven. What that means to us as a believer is we too can be alive in Christ. Jesus will take away our sins. It says if we confess our sins, he'll be faithful and just and forgive us our sins. All trespasses, all gone. Made fresh, made new. That's what challenge you this morning. Have you allowed the Word of God to transform your life? For the believer, that's an honest question. Paul encourages the church, I'd love to teach you greater things about the things of God and everything, but you never got a pastor salvation experience. We can't tell you the mature things in Christ because you're still sucking the milk of the gospel. Did you get saved and you just kind of plateaued right there? Your physical age has nothing to do with it. 
It's your spiritual maturity that counts. Is that where you are as, as a believer? That you've, God saved me, but I don't know about letting him transform and change my life. Where I look more like Jesus, but he has that power if you'll let him. For the lost man, you ain't got a clue what in the world we're talking about. You don't know this Jesus. You don't, you've never taken the opportunity for holy God through Jesus Christ will now have fellowship with the unholy people, and that's us. He makes us holy through the righteousness of Christ. Will you take that step today? I challenge you. I, I, I'm a believer, ask yourself this question. Is my life sweeter? Is the journey sweeter than it ever been before? From the time you accepted Christ. Are you growing in Christ? Or have you become lost in all the turmoil and everything of the world? And so you just assume this is as good as it gets. But it ain't. But it ain't. God has greater things in store for each one of us if we just take the truth and apply it to our lives. I challenge you to acknowledge the truth today in your own heart, in your own life. And say, ask yourself, God, have I been following a lie all these years? That's what happened to me in August of 2004. God, I got all the boxes checked. And I don't know you personally. Is that you? I don't know, but you do. God will answer that question for you if you allow him to through the reading of his word. Through the truth of the Holy Spirit penetrating your heart and changing your mind. For the lost man, Jesus loved you. You're still living in your B.C. days, your before Christ days. Today would be a great day to change that. Cross that death line of salvation to say, Jesus, I'm done doing it on my own. I've made a mess of things. And God, I understand that Jesus died on the cross for me and will save me from my sin and give me a new life in Christ. And I can find out more what there is in store about the Holy Spirit living inside of me as I take your word and that word will become life everlasting to me. If that's you, some of the, we'll, Tanner come sing her invitation and some of these elders or men that are saved that come down here, they'll pray for you. They'll lead you to Jesus. Believer, if you need to, come to this altar. Get things right. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Don't put Jesus off. Not one more day. Do you believe that God's word has the transforming power to change your life? God, take your word. Penetrate our hearts. Take it, God, and expose those things in our life that we should be ashamed of but aren't. Those things that we're trying to keep from everybody else, but they're eating us alive. God, would you reveal those to us as believers today and bring us to the place where we can admit them to you and allow you to clean us up. Holy Spirit, have your will and way for the man that doesn't know, man or woman, whoever it is that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. They've never accepted that free gift. I prayed it today that they would do it. Holy Spirit of God, would you just be free to move? Ignite in somebody's heart that flame that you desire to grow through fanning the flame and teaching them your word. But, Lord, they need a personal relationship with you. And if that's, if that's absent from anybody here in this room today, I prayed it today. 
they get that right and allow somebody to show them, to teach them, to walk them through your plan of salvation and leave here. Lord, bottom line, don't let anybody leave here unchanged. Help us to be different because of the truth that your word contains. In Jesus' name I pray. Um, Amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.